Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 99. Fun fact. Talk about one in a million chances. You think of it never happening, right? Well, the Falcons have now lost games in which they have had both a 99.9% chance to win and a 99.1% chance, respectively, at one point in the game. They've lost, that's happened twice to them. Statistically, the chances of that happening, according to Reddit, are roughly 1 in 990,000. So basically, 1 in a million. So stick that in the skillet and let it simmer while we get you right back into your premier midwestern based sports podcast talking about college football and we got some college football to talk about because u.s cyclones did indeed play on saturday and not only did they play they won knocking off the tcu horn frogs in fort worth texas by a score of 37 to 34 um cyclones Boy, there was just a lot of things to highlight from that game. Um, the one I want to talk about first is the defense. So first of all, you would think giving up 34 points that the defense would not be um, not be a big uh, big high point. Well, but, uh, hold on one thing. I'll just correct you right there. The defense actually only gave up uh, 27 okay, points. Okay, fine, because Brock Purdy had one of the worst passes I have ever seen in the history. That wasn't technically even a pass. It was, it was a, fumble. a fumble, yeah. Yeah, they technically ruled that a fumble. It was a fumble that was intercepted by the other team, though, so and turned into a touchdown. Anyway, yes, so the defense technically uh, only gave up uh, 20, what is that, 26 points instead of 34, but um, – yeah, still you wouldn't think that's a highlight, but the defensive line, I thought, was phenomenal in that game. Jaquan Bailey um, had three sacks. He broke the um, ISU all-time record for sacks with his first one. Um, he had a strip sack where he also recovered the fumble um, late in the first half as well. Jaquan Bailey and the defensive line were phenomenal. And Mike Rose had an amazing interception um, late uh Diving off a pass, diving to intercept a pass that deflected off the wide receiver um, as TCU was trying to get a drive started to take the lead late in the game. So the defense played well despite um, maybe giving up too many points. And I also want to give out a shout out to the Cyclone special teams. Um, after struggling last week, um, TCU and their transfer, JD Spielman, right? JD Spielman transferred from Nebraska, is one of, if not the best punt returner in football, in college football. And the Cyclones held him in check pretty much all game. He had one good return, but that ended up getting called back on a penalty anyway. Um, So good on the Cyclones there for um, Cyclone special teams for not figuring out some of their issues from last week and not letting Spielman have a big day like he very well could have. And one thing that you actually pointed out to the game to me, Mike, is you didn't mind the touchbacks that uh, Joe Rivera had on some punts, right? right? Because it keeps the ball out of probably their one of their best playmakers' hands. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with – if J.D. Spielman is their punt returner, kick a touchback every time. Don't let him touch the ball. 
I'd, I'd much rather you just boot it into the end zone than try to get fancy and down it and end up letting him return one for 40 yards. Yeah. I'd much rather just take the touchback. It's much lower risk. So we talked a little bit about the defense. The defense did play pretty well, uh, I would say, even though it was a 27 point game. But if you look at some of the other scores in the Big 12 this week, the Cyclones basically had one of the best defensive performances. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I want to talk about the run game because the running game was the workhorse for the Cyclone uh, win victory over TCU this weekend. Uh, Brees Hall had 18 carries for a buck 54 on the ground. That's an 8.6 average. Now, of course, that's obviously helped out by his long 75-yard touchdown scamper that he had where he bounced it off the right side of the line and blew by everyone. Uh, Kene Nwongu also had a long touchdown run that he broke on his only carry of the game. Uh, he scampered in from 49 yards out. The offensive line, which we want, which we didn't know how they would perform, uh, they aren't necessarily giving Brock Purdy a ton of time for pass protection, but what they are doing is they are creating some good gaps and some good running lanes for Brees Hall and company. Uh, as well as Kane Nwongu. And I think going forward, this is going to have to be a big part of the Cyclones' identity. Brock Purdy, I, I wouldn't say he was fantastic this week, although his stats say otherwise. He was 18 of 23, which is an 80% completion percentage for 211 yards, and he had uh, only one touchdown through the air. But there was still some decision-making that he had, some sacks that he took. Um, he did force one ball into double coverage um, that had a very high likelihood of getting intercepted, probably should have. Um, and his decision-making so far to start the season hasn't been what it has been, uh, in especially last season or at the end of his freshman season. Um, so I think going forward, at least through the first part of the season, if we run the football, especially looking ahead against OU, keep the ball out of OU's hands. If we can run the football, OU's defense, we'll get into that in a little bit. OU's defense was horrific this past weekend. K-State was able to run all over them. Run the football, and I think good things will happen for this team. Opens up play action for Brock Purdy. Yeah, and on the topic of Brock Purdy, uh, I could tell he definitely enjoyed having uh, Charlie Kohler, his security blanket, back this week. Um, basically, I felt like every play was look long. Oh, it's not there. Let's just throw it to Charlie Kohler in the flat and see what he can do. I don't know how many catches Charlie Kohler had. Do you have a stat? He had, he had five, five catches, only 27 yards. Right. So he wasn't a huge factor in this game, but he was – Brock Purdy's security blanket. Right. That speak that speaks to what he like that that is what we were lacking last week or two weeks ago, I guess, against Louisiana, right? Is that on checkdowns, his checkdown guy wasn't there last week because Co with Cotler out. So Brock Purdy definitely and I feel like he's able to be more confident looking downfield if he knows he has a reliable receiver as a check down in Kohler, right? Because he knows Kohler is going to be there and more often than not, he's going to be open, right? So he can look longer downfield if he's confident in his check downs. 
Kevin Kohler in this offense is bigger than just uh, his stats. I think he makes Brock Purdy a better quarterback just by having him there. So it was really big to have him back for the cycle. As I alluded to, uh, Iowa State will be taking on OU next week. Now, it was announced last week, early on last week from Jamie Pollard, there will be 16,000 fans in attendance, which is roughly 9,000 less than their original estimate uh, for the opening game against Louisiana. Uh, But 15,000 fans, 1,000 students will be allowed at this game. Uh, It'll be next week at 6.30 on ABC, so a primetime national television spot for the Cyclones. The Cyclones open as a a six-and-a-half-point underdog, which isn't as bad as we might have expected. But OU did come off a pretty horrific performance against K-State. Spencer Rattler had all sorts of trouble throwing the ball. He threw three interceptions to the – to the men in purple, purple Kansas, and OU actually lost that game in Norman to Kansas State uh, as the num- one of the big upsets this week and in college football yeah. where there were just a slew of upsets. But that was one of the big ones. Spencer Rattler looked horrible. He was forcing the ball into double coverage, forcing the ball downfield, throwing interceptions. His decision-making was poor. So the defense will have to play really well schematically. We will see what uh, this Iowa State can do to try and force some errant throws from Spencer Rattler, who is a very young quarterback for Oklahoma. And if we can get a few turnovers, this game can definitely go the way that K-State took it. Yeah. Um, ESPN's football power index, we all know it wasn't high on the Cyclones last week. Um, with how low their percentage chance against TCU was. But this week, it's definitely higher on the Cyclones, giving them a 30.5% chance to win. Um, so that's not too bad. Um, yeah, this game is definitely up for grabs. So we'll see. Um, Kyle mentioned there were other big upsets. Um, the biggest one, I think, was Mississippi State knocking off the defending champs, LSU. Was In Baton big- Rouge, too. Uh-huh. Um, and there was – there really should have been one more big upset in the big 12 Texas tech was up 15 points on Texas with about three and a half minutes left and Texas managed to win that game in overtime. So there could have been one more. Everyone thought Texas and Oklahoma were far and away the best teams in the big 12. And so far one week into conference play, Oklahoma has got a loss and Texas should have one. So I mean, also can we talk about Texas Tech's now two-year ability not to win close ball games, just finding ways to lose close ball games. Yeah, they they yeah. that I, that comes down to coaching. They had uh, the stat was thrown up on the screen. They had six uh, one-score losses, or no, that was TCU actually. Rather, TCU yeah. last year had six one-score losses, but Texas Tech was also up there with Iowa State. Iowa State had four last year, and I believe Tech had three or four as well. So just a lot of inability to finish out games, but in the big 12, you have a lot of high or prolific offenses as well. So you're trying to match touchdown for touchdown. Yeah. So we'll see. Big 12 is definitely up for grabs. I don't think anybody has looked dominant in any point this year. Oklahoma looked bad against K-State. Texas looked bad against Texas Tech. Oklahoma State looked bad against Tulsa. Iowa State looked bad against... Louisiana. So they were just projected top four teams and all of us have had clunkers. 
The only team that's looked good so far was Baylor throttling Kansas at home in their first game of the season. It's Kansas. So it's I don't Kansas. care how you do against Kansas. Unless you lose, I don't care. Nothing matters against Kansas unless you lose. That's, yeah. Like, I don't care if you only beat Kansas by one. If you don't lose, you did your job against Kansas. I don't care if you beat them by 50. Just don't lose, and I don't care. Nothing against Kansas. Man. To round out college football, there were there were uh, six postponed games due to COVID uh, cases or um, COVID precautions in the FBS uh, this weekend. So that will be something to look forward or look at uh, going forward, especially in Big Twelve play. Um, none of the Big Twelve games were postponed. Speaking of games that have not been postponed, the NFL continues to roll on as there has only been one case, uh, and it was with Atlanta, and that was uh, locked down, and Atlanta was still able to play as there were zero confirmed cases. And maybe they shouldn't play football because Atlanta, as Wyatt already alluded to, finds a way to blow unblowable games. Uh, Matt Ryan and company, Dan Quinn probably has one of the hottest seats in the NFL outside of Adam Gaze, who has already 8,500 petitions or signed petitions, uh, signatures on a petition, I should say, uh, to fire him from his uh, head coaching slot. But Dan Quinn almost got fired last year, and I think at this point he might just a little bit wish he would have. This has not been good for Atlanta. It has been horrible football to start the NFL season for them. Uh, Great first half performances, but they just cannot finish. And you have to think Dan Quinn is going to be ousted there uh, pretty shortly. Speaking of of another person who was ousted, Mitch Trubisky in that game for the Chicago Bears was officially ousted as the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles has already been named the starter going forward uh, for this football team, and we probably are seeing the new era at quarterback in Chicago after the Bears whiffed with their number two selection back in the 2017 NFL draft. We will see if Mitch Trubisky will ever be able to make a name for himself in the NFL outside of a backup quarterback going forward. But for right now, Nick Foles came in and led them to a comeback, so it is his job uh, going forward. Mike, I'm, I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but do you want to uh, enlighten us on how the Vikings made some history but still had a terrible weekend? Yeah, so if I get this stat right, the Vikings were the first team ever, not just to ever have a 175-yard rusher and a 175-yard receiver, in the same game, period. And the Vikings still managed to lose the game. They still lost the game. Goskowski for Tennessee, even after having a terrible first two weeks, went, did he kick five? Or Just six a first goals. week. His second week was pretty good. Anyway, he kicked five or six field goals, including two of them over 50 yards in the fourth quarter to end up bringing the Titans um, to a victory over the Vikings in Minneapolis. This Vikings team is now 0-3, and their playoff hopes is basically zero at this point. You might, you, yeah. The secondary is bad. The offense actually looked decent. I mean, the offense was good. 
right? If you have a 175-yard receiver and a 175-yard rusher, you can't blame the loss on the offense, right? Yeah, I just don't know. This team is just not a good football team. Kirk Cousins rebounded, but it didn't seem to matter. This season's basically over. The one highlight, though, was Kyle Rudolph. If you guys didn't see this catch, go look up Kyle Rudolph's touchdown catch um, into Titans. That was unreal. He was, I feel like Kirk Cousins was throwing that football away, and Kyle Rudolph managed to catch it for a touchdown. That was an incredible catch. That was the one highlight for the Vikings. I just hope that uh, the Twins make a long playoff run so I can, you know, have four week, four more weeks where I don't have to care about football and can care about baseball instead. Because otherwise it's going to be a really, really long winter to be about. Uh, for right now, uh, if you are a Packers fan, you are very excited for football because Green Bay looks dominant so far to start this season. Uh, they beat the New Orleans Saints in a very entertaining uh, Sunday night football game. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, it doesn't matter if Devontae Adams isn't in there. Alan Lazard picked up the slack. The offense was cooking. It really what it was. Aaron Rodgers was throwing no-look passes, um, and they they did end up pulling it out. It was a close game. What was the final score? 37 to 30 uh, in that football game. Um, so they pulled it out against the Saints in New Orleans, but – here comes Aaron Rodgers after everyone talked about, is he done? And they go and draft a, his for, future replacement in Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is playing great football again. Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills is on an absolute tear to start the season. He had another 300-yard passing performance against the LA Rams. The uh Buffalo Bills were up the dreaded 28-3 to in this game, uh, and the L.A. Rams came all the way back to uh, take the lead in this game. There will be a defensive pass interference call on a fourth and nine against the L.A. Rams uh, that allowed the Buffalo Bills to score the game, the go-ahead game-winning touchdown. L.A. Rams fans are going to be talking about that for a while. I wasn't sure it should have been pass interference, but the call stood on the field as you can't review it anymore, and the Bills are 3-0. and Russell Wilson, it just let Russell Wilson free. He is starting his – or he has already put an exclamation point to possibly his first MVP uh, ever – in the league, which is absolutely astronomical to say that Russell Wilson has never won a league MVP before, but he is doing his darndest to try and uh, achieve that. He threw uh, five touchdown passes again this week, three to Tyler Lockett just in the first half um, as he was 27 of 40 for 315 with five touchdowns. The Russell Wilson in the Seattle offense is might be the best offense in the league right now. Uh, their defense is, looks a little susceptible, uh, but for right now, their offense is unstoppable. So they are the uh, in the NFC out there. Uh, we won't talk about the much about the Chiefs and the Ravens because they're playing tonight as we record this podcast on Monday night. The results will of that game will have already completed by the time our listeners are hearing this podcast, but I hope you enjoy what could possibly be the best NFL football game of the season.
You know what I'm going to enjoy instead of that football game? I'm going to enjoy the MLB playoffs. Well, they don't play tonight, but I'm going to be thinking about the MLB playoffs instead because, you know, football season's already over. We can give up, but football's over. Let's just focus on baseball. So I'm going to be thinking about baseball all night. Um, the playoff matchups are set after the last week in baseball. Um, the White Sox managed to uh, choke away the AL Central. They went one and six in the last week of the year to choke the uh, AL Central away to the Twins, who won the AL Central for back-to-back years. And furthermore, in their last 10, they went one and nine. Yeah. That's not a great way to finish out a season. Yeah. Yep. Not only did they lose the division, they fell all the way to the seventh seed in the American League. I think go, going into that that ten game stretch, they went one and nine. They were the one seed in the American League. They, they, they were actually the two seed. Were they the two? They yeah, uh, Tampa Bay had the tiebreaker. Okay, they were tied for the best record in the American League starting that, and they ended up as the seven seed. Granted, they ended up the seven seed with the fifth best record, um, but still the seven seed. Um, so, you know. Um, in the, uh, in the NL, the NL playoff race was a lot more exciting this week because there were a bunch of teams still competing for playoff spots in the end, four teams from the NL central ended up making the playoffs as both of the wild cards came out of the NL central with the Cardinals, Reds and Brewers all managing to make the playoffs with the Brewers edging out the giants on a tiebreaker because the giants lost um, their last game of the year. Um, Houston and Milwaukee both made the playoffs with below 500 rec- records. They both finished 29 and 31. Um, by far the worst winning percentage um, in the history of baseball to ever make the playoffs. Hopefully it will be the worst winning percentage ever to make the playoffs because hopefully these expanded playoffs will go away forever. Um, I'm not optimistic, but you know I'm going to hope. But yeah, those are two below 500 teams in the playoffs, but they've got a chance, right? According to 538, um, their MLB predictions, the Brewers, I mean, the Brewers only have a 22% chance of advancing this first series, but the Astros are given a 45% chance to advance um, out of this first series, despite their record. So, um you know, that's going to be the playoffs this year. That's that's what the playoffs are going to look like with this expanded format, is teams that are below 500 might have chances to win series, and that's just not. Anyway, um, this playoff matchups are set. In the American League, the one-seed Tampa Bay Rays will take on the eight-seed Toronto Blue Jays. Two-seed Oakland A's will take on the seven-seed Chicago White Sox. The three-seed Twins will take on those six-seeded Astros, and the four-seeded Indians will host the five-seeded Yankees. In the National League, the one-seed Dodgers take on the eight-seed Brewers. The two-seed Braves take on the seven-seed Reds. The six or the three-seed Cubs host the six-seeded Marlins, and the four-seed Padres host the five-seed Cardinals. Um, those are your first round matchups. Um, of course, since it's playoff time, as we do on the 8311 cast, we will give our playoff predictions. Now, we're not going to predict every series because there's too many series this year. Um, what we are going to do is I want both of your predictions for who will play in the league championship series for each league, who will play in the World Series, and who will win the World Series now that the playoff bracket is set. 
And just a note for Wyatt, you cannot pick the Angels like you did at the beginning of the season. They are not close to being in the tournament. So <laughs> just just in case you're curious, don't pick the Angels. Uh, do you want to lead us off, Wyatt, or do you want somebody else to start with the predictions? Uh, sure. So for the NL, I think, I mean, it's probably going to be the Dodgers. Let's be real here. They're probably the best team in baseball. Uh, Dodgers for the NL, playing against one of the either Yankees twins, one of those two, I would assume. Well, hold on. So f- first, who's your NLDS, uh, NLCS matchup? Who's going to play the Dodgers? Oh, oh, the Dodgers. Dodgers and... I don't know, probably the Reds. I'm not very optimistic about Chicago, in case you're wondering. Um, we'll say the Dodgers and the Reds just to be fun. I okay. The and ALCS will do – let's pick the Twins and the Yankees. Twins, Yankees, okay. And then you said you have the Dodgers advancing. Um, who do you have advancing out of the uh, AL there? Probably the Yankees. Twins can't beat the Yankees in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's against the law or something. So so you got Yankees, Dodgers, World Series. Who you got, Yankees or Dodgers? The Dodgers. Dodgers over Dodgers there. probably in five, to be honest. It's going to be okay. a quickie. Kyle, what about you? What do you got? I am not that optimistic about the Yankees. I actually think that the ALCS, I'll start in the ALCS, will probably be the A's versus the Indians. The only reason I have the Indians going that far is because their pitching depth will probably carry them through this postseason. Uh, The AL representative for the World Series out of that will be the Oakland A's. In the NL, I have the Dodgers going to the CS, and uh, I'm going to pick the Cubs, I guess, um, in the lower half of that bracket. Uh, I'm not sure about the Braves. And then I'll go Dodgers to the World Series. And then out of that, I'm going to pick the Dodgers in six. Okay. We like the Dodgers, apparently. Um, It comes with the territory of them being the best team in baseball the entire year. Yeah. Boy. Out of the National League, I'm also going to pick the Dodgers. I'm also actually going to pick Dodgers-Reds in the NLCS like you did, Wyatt. I think the Reds pitching staff – um, is good enough that they're going to be able to carry them through the shorter series, the three and five game series. Um, I don't think it'll be good enough to beat the Dodgers. So I do have the Dodgers going to the world series out of the end in the AL. I'm a lot less confident. I really don't know what to say. Um, boy, probably raise A's. That's probably not very creative. The one in the two seed. I was, like, I was like, yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty conservative of you there mike yeah i don't know i mean yeah we'll go raise a's over the national league and we'll pick the a's um into the playoffs and all california a's dodgers world series and just to be different i'm going to pick the a's to win the world series because we all can't pick the dodgers because we can't all look like idiots if the dodgers do poorly in this playoffs so Hey, but two of us might look like idiots since we picked an all-California World Series. That's pretty (laughs) usual, Kyle. Yeah, or if the the Dodgers lose to the Brewers somehow, then we're all going to – yeah. What is Craig Council going to pull in the playoffs this year to confuse him? Like he did in the the NLDS last year where he had the starting pitcher go out to face one batter so his opponent would throw a bunch of lefties out there against the righty and then go get the lefty for – most of the game. What's he going to do this year? I'm interested to see that. 
anyway, keep an eye on that. The wildcard series are going to be this Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the AL, and Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the National League. Um, and then the um, the division series will come after a, f- a few off days after that. Um, I believe those series will start on um, – yeah, those series for the American League will start on Monday, October 5th, and they'll start on Tuesday, October 6th for the National. So keep an eye on that for the wildcard rounds, and we'll bring you all the results on next week's episode. Also, uh, go Twins, go. Please beat the Astros in this first series. Please and, and I, thank you. I'm also rooting for the Twins, in case anyone is curious. So for all of our basketball fans out there, the NBA is cooking and the finals are here. And a final staple is LeBron James. LeBron James will appear in his ninth straight finals appearance with the Lakers. Not all with the Lakers, but his ninth straight finals appearance. Uh, In those eight uh, previous finals, he is three and five overall. He will take on his former team in the Miami Heat. They are making their first finals appearance since 2014. Uh, The Lakers are making their first finals appearance since 2010. Uh, Just real quick, let's get your predictions. How uh, deep will this series go, Mike? And who will win? I got Lakers in six. Wyatt? Lakers in five. I got Lakers in seven. I think uh, Jimmy Butler will actually – Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero will be able to do a little bit more than the Denver Nuggets uh, in the Western Conference. Keep an eye on the NBA Finals because, of course, we want to know who wins. Um, but what we also – I know our listeners are clamoring to know is what is going on with Will and Zastadio in our weekly turtle tab. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any good news to report to all of our La Tortuga fans. He did not um, end up back on the roster at all this week, um, and he did uh, is unlikely to appear in any playoff games. So barring any unforeseen injuries that gets Ostadio on the roster, this will probably be our last weekly turtle tab of the year, unfortunately. But of course, they will return in September when pitchers, or in February, excuse me, when pitchers and catchers are put to spring training again. So, this is the end of the weekly turtle tab for a while. I know it is very, very sad. But in just four short, four and a half short months, we will be back and we will be ready. So, go Willens Astadio, La Tortuga, baseball safe. Um, moving on to our next. Um, favorite segment, Mike Stupid Rules. We're going to talk about a rule that came up um, in the Packers uh, Saints game on Sunday night. Wyatt, can you describe what happened uh, on that play and then I'll fill everybody in on the rule? Yeah, the Packers were punting and one of the uh, it was the Saints, right? Like I'm not going crazy. They were playing the Saints. Okay. Yep. One of the, the, the Saints uh, linemen fell backwards and kind of fell on the foot of the punter, and there was no flag uh, on the play for neither roughing or running into. Yeah, so I will talk about roughing and running into the kicker. So basically, you can call a penalty for roughing or running into the kicker 
whenever a defender makes contact with a kicker, unless one of these seven things happens, according to the NFL rules. First of all, um, if the defender has touched the kick first, if the defender blocks the kick before they touch the kicker, you won't call a penalty. Um, if the kicker runs into the defender instead of vice versa, can't be called there. Um, if it's doing like a rugby style kick where the, the where the punter is like running forward or something like that, you will not call running into or you'll not call a penalty for running into the kicker. Um, if the kicker is recovering a loose ball, if they've already recovered a loose ball, you can hit them as much as you want. Um, if a defender is pushed or blocked into the kicker, or if there's some other foul on a defender that results or by the kicking team that results in contact with the kicker, you will not call a penalty there. Um, the difference between roughing and running into the kicker. Now, um, it's roughing the kicker if you hit the plant leg of the kicker while the kicking leg is still in the air or if you slide into the kicker. So it's, uh, even if the kicker still has two, leg, has two legs on the ground, if you slide into the kicker, you can get called for roughing the kicker. Um, it's running into the kicker if you make contact with the kicking foot, even if um, the kicker is airborne with one foot on the ground. If you hit the kicking foot, it's just running into the kicker. Or if um, you prevent the kicker from landing back on the, prevent that kicking leg from landing back on the ground, that is just running into the kick. If there's ever doubt, um, NFL officials are told to call roughing the kicker. If there's any doubt between roughing or running into the kicker, they are instructed to call roughing the kicker when it's so. I didn't see the play, but why, based on that, do you think there should have been a penalty called and which one? No, I don't think there should have been a penalty called. It was one of those things where it might have technically fallen into um, the, the both legs coming down being blocked. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you're not going to see it called. The, the guy ran into the plant leg. He didn't really run into it. He kind of fell on the, on the foot of the punter. So it's not like he, he hit the plant leg hard enough for, for roughing the kicker. And he didn't touch the, the airborne leg, so it wouldn't be running into the kick. I don't think it should have been a penalty, but that's just my opinion. Okay. No. So moving forward, we have one more thing that I wanted to touch on before we hold each other accountable. Uh, and it is a, another installment of Strange But True sports injuries this week we talk about tyrod taylor and last week there was a mystery surrounding why justin herbert started for the los angeles chargers in week two over tyrod taylor well that became very clear uh last week as reports emerged of why tyrod taylor was unable to play so in week one he had two cracked ribs after playing the cincinnati Bengals. In week two, just before the game, he was administered a pain-killing injection at the localized site where the cracked ribs are. Now, this is a very normal procedure. This injection only lasts four hours, so a typical NFL game is about four hours, so they get it right before kickoff. One of the complications of this is is the possibility, a very, very small possibility, of a punctured lung. Well, Tyrod Taylor was the one in like 20,000 chance of getting a punctured lung that uh, Los Angeles Chargers team doctor 
while administering this injection punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, which ultimately sent him to the hospital, uh, which is why there is very little information given after the game as to why Tyrod Taylor was unable to start. But eh, oops is what that team doctor was probably saying when that happened. Uh, and you can't really play with the punctured lung here. So I used a different word than oop. Yeah, probably so. And I'm sure, <laughs> and I'm sure maybe the general manager and head coach were also using different words at that point in time. If you are an NFL doctor, honestly, you should probably be better at your job than this uh, doctor was, but who am I to judge how good he is at his job? But with that, we need to judge how good we are at our job of making predictions. And Mike has been here tabulating our long laundry list of accountability that we have today. Yeah, we got a baker's dozen of predictions coming off the board in our accountability session. A lot of them have to do with the end of the baseball season because we had a ton of baseball predictions on the board. Um, leading off, our oldest prediction to come off, Wyatt predicted that Anthony Rizzo would lead baseball and hit by pitches this year. That didn't happen. His teammate, Wilson Contreras, actually led baseball with 14 hit by pitches this year. Anthony Rizzo only had 10. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. nah. Um, Kyle predicted the Royals would not finish last in the AL Central. They did not. They ended up playing well enough against the Tigers in their final weekend series to finish fourth instead of fifth. So ding, 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 ding. ding. Unfortunately for Kyle, he also predicted that Whit Merrifield would have 85 hits on the year. He only had 70. Um, so, nah. Nah. Um, I predicted that Luis Arise. Um, the young second baseman for the Twins would win the AL batting title this year. Um, he ended up being hurt most of the year, so he didn't even qualify in the AL batting race. But um, he would have finished, he ended up hitting 321 on the year and would have finished fourth in the AL in batting had he qualified. But either way, that's still long, so I get eight. Nah. Nah. Wyatt predicted the Cubs would win the NL Central, which they did clinch this week. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. I predicted that the Lakers would go to the NBA Finals, mostly to smite Kyle because he predicted they would lose in the first round. Um, I was right. Kyle was wrong. So ding, 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 ding. Uh, Kyle predicted that the White Sox would win the American League Central, which they choked away. So nah. Nah. Kyle predicted that Singer, uh, the young pitcher for the Royals, would win all his remaining starts. He ended up losing his second Start. He won his first after that prediction, but lost and, his second. And then he finished out by winning his third. Yeah, so you almost got it, but you didn't. Almost doesn't count and write that down predictions. So nah, nah. Uh, Josh predicted that Alan Lazard would get three DDs in his first three games. Um, he would have needed two against the Saints to get it. And he had an incredible game, but it only involved one touchdown instead of two. So, nah. Nah. Um, I predicted that the Twins would play the Yankees in the first round, which they would have had the White Sox not choked, but they did, so we're not, so nah. Nah. I then doubled down and said the Twins would beat the Yankees in the first round. You can't beat them if you ain't playing them, so nah. 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 
Wyatt predicted that the Cubs would go five and two in this last week of the season. Somebody obviously forgot to tell the Cubs that the Pirates were bad. Um, they ended up losing three or four to the Pirates. Um, they ended up going three and four this uh, this week as they took two out of three from the White Sox. Either way, three and four is not five and two. So nah, nah. And no. then Josh predicted that the Packers would score forty plus points against the Saints. Um, they ended up only getting to 37, which is close. But as we talked about, close doesn't count. That is our Baker's dozen of predictions off the board. Kyle, you want to put some on the board for us? Yeah, so uh, after a great week, uh, Jaquan Bailey will have have 10 or more sacks this season for the Cyclones. Uh, So he has... I think they officially gave him three and a half. They did. They did give him three and a half. Yeah. He got. He split half with Will McDonald. Yeah. So that. So then you're saying he's going to get six and a half more sacks um, in the remaining eight games plus possible ball game. Yes. I would like that. I think that's probably fairly likely. I would say double. double. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a double. All right. You're going to have to buckle in and stay with me for my prediction. It's a little bit complicated. I am predicting that at least one of the teams that wouldn't be in the playoffs under the normal format will make it to the league championship. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Like, I didn't have to buckle down so or just, buckle in for that. Yeah, just for awareness. So, in the regular playoff format, the AL playoff teams would be the Rays, Twins, A's, Indians, and White Sox. And in the NL, the teams would be the Dodgers, Cubs, Braves, Padres, and either the Marlins or the Reds, they would have had to have a um, game 163 to determine who was going to get in there. We'll use the this year's tiebreaker for the purposes of this prediction um, and say that the um, – oh, boy, they tied in the tiebreaker too. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I didn't prepare for this enough. Um, we'll say that the Reds would have made it instead of the Marlins, so the Marlins would be the team to not make it for the purposes of. So the Marlins against the Cubs. But I, this is to the C, yeah. So not winning the first, yeah, 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 yeah. winning two series. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Marlins, Brewers, Astros, Blue Jays, Cardinals, yeah. Yankees. Oh yeah, Cardinals, yep. Yankees. I mean. I had the Yankees going to the World Series, so <laughs> um, I don't know what to give this one. Well, we're essentially saying these teams, we're, we got to say, you know, they're going to make it to, to the league championship. What, Mike, um, do you have a percentage for the Yankees? Let's just look at the Yankees and the Cardinals making it to the yep. CS. Yep, the odds that the Cardinals make it to the CS is 11%, according to 538. For the Yankees, it's 30%. Um mm. The Astros, 25, the Brewers, 10, the Blue Jays, 11, and the Marlins, 10. We just choose so, one. If we average that out, I think I think a triple would probably be more. Yeah, for this one. I was going to say a triple. Okay, I'll take a triple. What do you got, Wyatt? I got easy points. I'm going to say that the Cubs are not going to get swept the rest of the year. Yeah, that's a single, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope so. They're definitely favored at least 60% in all three of these games. That's a single that they don't get swept. Yep, I like it. What do we got from Josh this week? 
Yeah, Josh is swinging for the fences. At least I think he's swinging for the fences. He's yeah. saying the Brewers will beat the Dodgers in the series. Home run. That will not happen. I, I give him a home run for that. Yeah, that's pretty pretty easy decision this week. I mean, if it was the Giants, it technically could have happened because the Giants did beat the Dodgers in a best-of-three series this year. Yes, they did. This is why I don't like the playoff format. So myself with a single, Kyle with a double, Mike with a triple and Josh with a home run, rounding out a nice round, 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 just a round. <laughs> That's how we close out our Write That Down prediction segment, which is how we also end the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 99 of the 8311 Cast. Appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with your three favorite hosts of the podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at 8311. Signing off for the 8311 Cast, we have your hosts, Arian Berry, Josh Lang, and Brian Carrier. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclone. Go Cyclone. Go Cyclone.